and welcome to the See for Yourself podcast. We are here to see and we are here to yourself. I am your host as ever, one for the history books, and I'm joined here today by... I'm a delicious, nutritious breakfast of New Belgium and sausage biscuits. The most nutritious, the most educational, truly. Uh, You can feel the power as it enters you, as you should always with breakfast. Uh, I believe that's what the root word breakfast comes from, is uh, educating yourself with food. Today, we have a a newer film. I believe it's uh, distributed by Netflix. The movie is The Sea Beast. It is a adventure film. Animated 3D from what I understand. When you say distributed by Netflix, is this one of these Netflix original movies or just this happens to be where they've published it. So that's an interesting talking point that we'll we'll probably have to get into. Uh, it's it's kind of hard to nail down exactly. Sometimes it's this is Netflix owned material. Like they paid for it. It's their work. Other times distributed just means that somebody paid for it. It's somebody else's thing. But for so many years, Netflix has the exclusive rights to put it on their platform pretty much only. Um, And then after a certain number of years, it goes back to whoever owns it and they can choose to put it wherever they want, basically. Sort of Netflix gives them so much money. In return, they give them the exclusive rights to it, basically, for X amount of time. We don't really get to know all of that because obviously they wouldn't want to go around saying, oh yeah, Netflix didn't really help with this other than financially, but we get to control it for the next X amount of time. They don't want to like put that out into the world, right? Because it sort of makes them sound more like a corporation and less like, your old buddy Netflix. content creator yeah we're we're your buddies we're cool i just want to say how frustrating it is that like netflix was supposed to be the groundbreaking thing where it's like why would you pay for six different cable packages to to get all the channels you want you could just have netflix and now there's netflix and hbo max and uh amazon prime video and it's the same goddamn thing yeah unfortunately netflix has probably no control over that right like if a competitor comes up they just have to be the better product and i think netflix had the one good idea or maybe a few good ideas and is sort of running out and is just trying to like maintain their status as being better than right you you can't really you can't really patent putting things on the internet if hbo wants to be like hey i want exclusive rights to game of thrones and i'm gonna make my own streaming service i i say that because basically i signed up for the the free month or whatever of hbo max specifically to watch game of thrones and then i, I got rid of that real quick it is unfortunate that we live in this time of like you know you have to have a bajillion different subscriptions and i'm sure that in like some amount of years some sort of like legislation is going to have to come down that's like hey you can't charge a subscription for this unless or consult it in some way because it is a little unreasonable to have so many of them and especially since some of them are like owned by the same company they have right. three different subscription services but it's all owned by the same guy anyway so why not just have one subscription service from that one company that's gonna have to be an incredibly verbose bill if it was ever to come into play yeah and i don't imagine it'll it'll come down quickly either it'll probably be towards the end of subscription-based entertainment and the beginning of whatever is going to replace that and then that thing will be the thing that we're like, oh, I can't believe we have to pay so much for this new thing that came out. It's so much more convenient than subscription-based Netflix, HBO, stuff like that. It just sucks that we have to pay so much for it. And then that'll go on for so many years before somebody has to come down and say, we're going to actually regulate this in some way. I'm just saying, I'd give Pirate Bay 20 bucks a month to get everything I wanted legitimately. <laughs> 
I'd, I'd paid fucking just about any company fucking 20 bucks a month so that I didn't have to have nine different subscriptions with different passwords and usernames and so on and so forth and blah, blah, blah. Jesus Christ. I just moved and fucking setting up my TV with all of my stuff again, you know? Right. Yeah, because you had it set up where you could just, you know, roll into Tubi or roll into... The, I, I love watching you pull up movies and you're like, oh, it's, it's available on these six different streaming platforms. And I'm like, if it ain't on YouTube, I don't watch it typically. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, Tubi, Tubi's free, and you don't have to have a username or an account or anything for it either. You can just pop it right on in. A lot of people just don't like ads, and it doesn't really have any, like, super popular stuff on it, typically. A lot of this stuff is like, this was a cool movie in 1970, I guess. Well, that's why I like it, because, like, YouTube does some free movies that are either bad movies or, like, basically public domain movies. It's like, if you want to watch this weird, obscure movie with uh, Quentin Tarantino in it or something like that, whatever, like, it's got some of those. Tubi has Birdemic on it. And uh, that's something that I'm going to force us to watch at some point. That is something we have used Tubi for in the past and will probably continue to use Tubi for is those sort of like obscure cult classic films, like movies that are like so bad they're good or movies that are just like very underappreciated or underknown. No, nobody's willing to waste server space on it for the six people that are going to watch it. Yeah, and Tubi, Tubi doesn't give a fuck. They have all that stuff. And that's that's really, really cool. Well, not all of it, but like just a strictly larger percentage of their library is we don't care if the quality of the film right. is lower it's still a movie that's like worth having on our free streaming service and i respect and appreciate that but we would sort of be remiss if we didn't talk about the sea beast and probably like a good four minutes of the last five minutes are going to get cut out so that's great yeah right, we, so- we don't want to get shit on by hbo max and netflix and shit like that get shut down by a corporation five years from now when i'm finally getting my first like offers for like we were going to give you a hundred grand a year but i i see here in your first 13 hours episodes you shit on our company repeatedly you just dog on us and um, <laughs> we, were, we were gonna offer you like a hundred bucks a movie every time you do a movie that just happens to be on our streaming service we'd give you a hundred bucks and i'd be like jesus christ we could do hey, we could make four hundred dollars a month Woo! Yeah. Finally, we've got a chance to remake the replacements. We can start. We can start fucking buying Snickers bars for dinners instead of having to go around the yard trying to look for dog turds to eat. <laughs> <laughs> it still looks like a dog turd. It just isn't. And now Snickers isn't going to give us a goddamn Jesus. <laughs> All, right. All the sponsorships out the window. By the way, if you make dog turds, fucking get at us. We'll we'll sponsor you. No, because now the companies that make like the little the little trash bags to pick up dog turds and throw them in the trash, now they don't want to fucking sponsor us because we're out here just eating the dog dog turds out of the grass. We're insinuating you just leave them out there for us. We fucked up, man. We tricked the whole world into thinking you had to wrap this shit up in a plastic bag. You can just eat it, and you told them. <laughs> yeah, well, the, the dog turns out of the bag now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's let's. Try to be good podcasters for two fucking seconds. Jesus Christ. You got exactly two seconds out of this whole hour on me. The plot synopsis for The Sea Beast is as follows. A young girl stows away on the ship of a legendary sea monster hunter, and they go on an adventure into uncharted waters together. And that's all we got. I know the the art style sort of evokes a couple of uh, emotions and ideas in us. So uh, I figure maybe we should jump onto that really quickly. Is, are there any other movies that you've seen that kind of look like this that, or that are reminding you of this? I have not. Basically, all I've seen is that one poster you showed me where it's the, uh, you know, the, the alleged sea monster taking up the majority of the poster and then the small ship in front of it. Like, that. that's about all I've got. Right, 
right. We, we, we sort of talked about this, right? Like where you've only seen the, the poster for it, but I've actually seen like the little scene where when you go onto Netflix, it'll show you a couple of images or, or show you like a little thing. And sometimes Netflix will do the thing where it shows you just one complete scene from the movie instead of like a trailer. And I prefer that. I, I, I think that it's just strictly better to show like some semblance of a complete functional scene from the movie and right. leave the rest of the movie like up in the air so you can get like a general vibe of what they're going for and how it'll look and that how the actors sound and everything. But it doesn't just show you the highlight reel of all the best parts of the movie so that when you go and see the movie, you're like, I've already seen all these cool things. Where are the other cool exactly. things in the movie? Basically, if you can find a scene, you can narrow down and be like, look at this scene and if you like it, you'll like the movie. I think that's a really good way of doing it i hate watching a trailer and then going to watch the movie and it's like cool i saw the best parts of the movie in that three minute trailer i do remember that the little because i imagine anybody who listens to this is very likely also to sort of cruise around on netflix and maybe seen this little scene that i'm talking about and basically the scene is i imagine it's this legendary sea beast hunter and he's just talking to whoever is like hiring him to do this job and they're just sort of like talking to him with some degree of reverence he they seem to respect him and he seems to be sort of a badass and that's sort of what the scene establishes is that he's a badass and they respect him i I, I don't know it seemed like maybe there was some sort of conflict there where like he had botched the last job or something like that and they're oh well you know hey you're in trouble now mister and he's like but i'm a badass and like okay we respect you we respect you Chill, chill 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 and that seems to be the dynamic that that scene shows. And I think that it, it gives us a lot of information, right? The way that the movie's going to look, the way that the actors are going to sound. Like I like I mentioned before, that gives us so little information in terms of like what are going to be the kick-ass scenes in this movie because that isn't a really kick-ass scene. It's sort of just like a... We're, we're all going to suck a dick because of all this stuff that you haven't seen yet. But just trust us, he's done some amazing stuff. It's just set up. Yeah, we're just setting up for here later on in the movie, some really kick-ass shit's going to go down and like, all right, now my expectations have been established. Cool. Because I've also, I have not seen this movie we should clarify that both me and the nutritious uh, educational breakfast uh, gentle sir both of us have not seen this movie the only leg up i have here is having seen that one scene that uh, netflix plays for you if you sort of like just linger on the movie a little bit too long without selecting it the the movie that this sort of reminds me of just looking at what little i have seen uh, for some reason is uh, how to train your dragon do you ever get to see that one i have yes so how to train your dragon a lot of the like promotional material for it especially the first film it looks sort of like the the, the dragon is potentially sort of dangerous in a way. A large part of the beginning of the film is dragons are dangerous, sort of expressing that idea. As the movie goes on, we sort of learn they're not so dangerous, and the main character sort of befriends the dragon in a way. I'm gonna go ahead and say, just looking at this movie, there's a large part of me that's like, I think they're gonna do that, but for sea monsters, basically. I was gonna say the same thing. I'm like, this is this is gonna be the same movie where it's like, the moral of the story is, no, 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 they're just misunderstood. I guess that leads me to my next question. How are they misunderstood? How are sea monsters misunderstood? I don't, you know, I don't, I, I'm trying to find some realistic uh, spin on this where it's like, oh yeah, they, they hate the sea monsters because of this horrible thing they did, but I bet it's going to be something really ham-fisted where it's like, no, they just look different than us and that's evil. That's probably all it's going to be. And then we're going to find out later in the movie, it's like, oh no, I'm sorry, I just, I didn't see that ship there and I accidentally bumped into it and it sank and like, hey, my bad guys, you don't actually have to kill all of us over it. If, if they do do that. 
that where they're like, hey, they look so aggressive and, and that means that they're bad and we have to kill them. Do you think that there'll be a counterpart to that ideology, but in the regular story between the humans and not between the humans and the sea monsters? Ooh. And how will they that'd handle be, that? That'd be nice, right? Because that's typically how they tie it in. Like I saw Bruno recently or whatever the actual, uh, is it called Bruno? There is a movie called Bruno. It exists. Well, all right. But you, you know what I'm talking about? That the Pixar one with the, the song that I don't like, but everybody seems to oh, be losing uh, their mind over. Encanto? Encanto. Yes. The song is, I we saw don't that. Talk about. Yeah, we don't talk about Bruno. So I saw that and like the, you know, the outer world problems are tied very specifically into how the family functions. And so there, there's got to be something like that, right? Where it's like, oh, the, the sea monsters are, are horrible because they're different than us. And there's going to be the, the sea monster captain who I haven't seen him, but I'm going to imagine he's handsome white man. And the person who will be advocating for the sea monster is going to be not white. Well, so the only two characters we have right now, based off of the blurb, are the legendary sea captain who hunts sea monsters, and then the little girl who stows away on his ship. So do you think the little stowaway girl is going to be a person of color and she's going to be advocating for just because somebody looks different than you doesn't mean that they're necessarily evil or even yeah. at all different from you. They could be almost exactly just like you and they just look different. Bingo. That That's the moral right there. Some pretty fair assumptions. I know Netflix is really quick uh, to have like these sort of, I didn't want to insult you and say a basic sort of, you know, because I mean, and, in, in your defense, I'm asking you to come up with this on the spot. So, you know, it's, it's not going to be as like deep and nuanced if I'm just sort of like telling me the thing and you're like okay let me just come up with something really quick well well, that's the thing it's like when we did um when we did brain damage i was trying to be really smart about it i don't feel like this is gonna be a nuanced and smart film i feel like it's gonna say some like good things but it's gonna be a pretty ham-fisted moral in 2022 we all need to learn that black people are people too it turns out that was the right. thing thank you netflix for educating us on this because well, well did did you see the meme that was like uh the the evolution of pixar where it's like what what if cars had feelings and we made cars and it's like what if toys had feelings and we made toy story and then they made soul and it's like what if black people had feelings yeah and and certainly throughout film history to take this to a more serious place there has been a lot of film history that is just sort of you know more liberally minded individuals trying to get people to see that black people are people too and there's also a lot of film history that is like trying to like do the opposite of that where they're like no black people aren't people look they're always the villains they always do the drugs it is like a weird battle between I, I like to think of it as and what my research sort of indicates to me is a lot of these people who are like passionate about filmmaking and want to make films actually are like art artistic theater people typically they're a little bit more liberal minded as you can imagine the stereotypical theater kid grows up wanting to be accepting of all these different lifestyles and people and whatnot and then when they finally get into the industry it's all the people with the money who've been you know sitting on millions of dollars for the last like 70 years because they they were born rich and have been rich their whole lives they're just like it'll only make sense to people if the black guy's the sidekick he could never be the main cop that's ridiculous and then them sort of forcing these theater kids to either get out of hollywood or just sort of roger up and and do the shitty thing that they think is going to make them the money and and it's unfortunate that like uh, we don't have a good uh, mainstream sort of uh, outlet for people to just make these indie movies and then still become popular and become million dollar profit margins and whatnot i think so my my prediction for this the way that the sea monsters are bad is that they are uh i'm hoping for a reference to like giant kaiju fights like from japan you know what i'm talking about yeah 
Godzilla like the, and the like. The monsters are specifically they're bad because they're just fighting each other all the time, and sometimes there's collateral damage, and we don't like that. Or sometimes it gets in the way of people trying to do their their seafaring, like going between this land and that land, and like transporting goods and services and whatnot. I'm hoping that will be in it at least at some point. I don't necessarily need it to be the reason that they're bad, but I do hope that it's at least referenced. I think it'll definitely at least be referenced. And the sea beasts, by our ability to try, kind of try to humanize them and try to understand them, we will sort of discover that that's just like part of their culture they just really like wrestling around with each other and it'll be our characters like kind of coming to grips with that like oh no they're not being malicious they're not a problem they we just need to be able to find a way to coexist with them and i think it'll be more of a message of coexisting with somebody with a culture that's different than yours allowing them to do what they do and you be like supportive and positive of that instead of just like i'm a racist how do i become not a racist <laughs> Yeah, so I'm hoping for for at least some giant sea monster fights. It doesn't have to be plot, plot integral. I would like there's a way to do that, and I think it'd be kind of interesting. I'd prefer the idea of the monsters are doing a thing we don't like rather than like, they exist, let's kill them. Um, yeah, I, I would like that better. I don't feel like it's going to go that way, just personally. You're sort of like trying to thread the needle here. Like, I, I know the meta of a Netflix-like original kind of thing or a Netflix yeah. distributed kind of thing. Or, or like any any animated movie that like I don't want to say this is pitched to kids because I don't I don't know if it's pitched to kids but well, I will I will tell you it is a PG rated film. Oh, well if it's a PG rated film then yeah. We're just going to have the stories about him killing all these sea monsters. We're not going to actually see him kill a sea monster, are we? Uh, I think that we probably will have to see it in order to like establish his like credibility as like a legend, but it won't be like it won't show him like snapping their necks or any blood or anything like that. It'll be like right. oh and then and then the captain was alone on the deck with the kraken and he he lifted up his hook hand and then it'll show like a lightning strike and then it'll end the story that'll be it my, my wild speculation is that we're gonna find out that he's never actually defeated a sea monster oh okay so that's interesting the legend is all completely smoke and mirrors and he's actually like what is he doing instead of defeating them how does he like I, I think he's terrified or something like that like that that would also fit with the morals right because like people get scared and angry over things they don't understand so I, I think he's gonna flee from these sea monsters so how does his legend come to be then maybe sea monsters are just as scared of us as we are of them so he meets the sea monster and he he freaks out and screams and they're like what the fuck is that i'm never coming here again and uh awesome. so the sea monsters go back to wherever the fuck they came from and then he's like, I didn't piss my pants or anything like that. I actually, I fought the thing and it lost and now it's gone. But actually, like, the sea monster ran away from the sea monster hunter and he went back home and he's like, yeah, I was brave and courageous and I killed it with my bare hands. I think for my prediction on, on that, if they were to go that way where it turns out he's not actually killed any sea monster in his entire life, maybe instead of him being afraid of them and they're equally as afraid of him, instead what I'll predict here is that if they do go that way, it'll be that he's sort of secretly going out, maybe him and his entire crew or just him as an individual, he's going out and like taming the sea monsters and making them friendly and making them like cool and he's not hurting them in any way. He's very sympathetic to them as like they're just animals and they need to, they have some kind of a problem one of them has like a little thorn in its in its tentacle or another one has some sort of gill fungus that's growing and you just need to like wash it off and it'll go back to being peaceful and nice and that's what he does and everyone's like yeah he kills them and it's like no he, he goes and he scrubs off the the gill fungus or he like takes the little thorn out of its uh tentacle or whatever and now they're friendly and happy and they just go back to living their happy little sea monster lives it'd be um, really cool if he like was supposed to be a role model for the kid in this story he's the one that figures out that he's actually like helping them and that's 
why like maybe he like is okay with her being there eventually like at first he's like no you're a stowaway and we're gonna drop you off at the first port but then he has to take her along for the rest of the adventure because she finds out about his pet baby kraken or she like finds out about like some altruistic thing he's doing which plays against the legend that he's been cast in that'd be pretty cool actually like I, I was gonna play it up to be that like she was the hero of this story but if she just like if her role in this is to just be the witness for what he's actually doing that would that wouldn't be too bad either i think it might be even better actually to have her notice that he doesn't like when the animals get hurt and like try to like educate him on a better way to like did you see that the the kraken had like a little tooth in its its tentacle and it looks like it was hurting and it, it didn't mean to bump into our ship or whatever and then he's like yeah you're right actually and he sort of learns from her as well as you know her learning from him on how to like be a seafaring captain type of guy that'd be kind of cool i do like i do much prefer those stories where it's not just one character witnessing another character but instead like an it, interplay there where she's teaching him and he's teaching her and yeah everybody's learning something everybody's like changing and growing and, and furthering themselves and maybe the people that aren't learning and growing are sort of the villains of the story actually they're the ones that are like no we're out here to kill the kraken he's like wait no we can we can try to do this a better way let's try to improve and, and do this differently and then it's like a mutiny type situation where him and the little girl versus the rest of these sort of the rest of the brigands are like no 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 i get paid by how many tentacles i bring back to port so uh we're not doing it your way yeah it reminds me of uh we haven't talked about this movie a whole lot but i i know i have a big soft spot in my heart for uh treasure planet I love treasure planet <laughs> it's, it's hard not to love it was beautiful film but yeah that's kind of like the way it goes right on treasure planet where the new kid kind of softens up the heart of the jaded pirate captain and he starts trying to maybe try things his way but the rest of the crew is sort of tying his hands on how he has to behave and everything and he's like okay fine I'll be a good pirate instead of being a good person and <laughs> over the course of the film we get more opportunities for him to be a good person instead of a good pirate I think that would be a, a kind of a cool way to, to handle this that'd be kind of fun do you think we'll get a sea shanty are we gonna get a sea shanty in this movie I think we will and I'm skeptical of whether or not I'll enjoy I, I hope they do a good job. You're more into sea shanties than I am. And they're, they're a lot I, more popular now than they were like 10 years ago. So I know. I, I don't know what it was with this Wellerman craze, but everybody seems to fucking love the Wellerman. I think it's really meme worthy too. It's not like a true shanty. I won't get into why it's different, but it's like uh, it's more akin to the songs and stories they tell in off hours as opposed to a work song. And maybe that's why I don't like it. But yeah, like I'm wondering if the how, how when was this movie made? 2022. It's it's this year. What if they just make their own like they basically make the Wellerman and they just change the words a little bit because that's that's why it's meme worthy is people like taking the wellerman and like swapping out some words there, there was a there was one recently where have you seen trailer park boys yes i have they have a trailer park boys version of the wellerman where it's uh just the guy with the big glasses who love cats and it's just a shanty about loving cats hard hard not to love right 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 i mean that that's what it is so what it, what if it's just the wellerman again i hope it's not that b-movie status where that's just that they're just going off of internet recognition um um, my friend this is i mean it's it's got netflix's handprints on it there is nothing that is outside of the reach of like this is a little untasteful i think that they're, they're trying to get the money i think it's very likely that they'll be like there once was a and it'll be almost exactly like that but they'll change a few of the words and they'll probably keep that their 
there once was a right in the beginning so that people will hear that and be like, oh, they're about to do the song that's really popular on the internet right now. And then they won't, but it'll at least draw people's attention and maybe people meme on it or whatever, you know. I think it's very, very likely. I am I am of the opinion that exactly what you're describing is what's going to happen. They're going to make almost a direct reference to the popular TikTok song. Which which is a shame because you can get pretty creative. Give me, I, I want to find the name of this song, but you know what Critical Role is, right? Yeah. Oh, I found it. So, so one of the fans of Critical Role made a sea shanty about Port Damali, which is a uh, reference somewhere in that thing. And it's like a, a really solid sea shanty. And, and I hope they do something like that, where they just they take the formulaic aspects of a sea shanty and they just wrap it into the movie. Because I feel like these Pixar-esque movies are pretty good at doing that. Like Moana was pretty good about making... Um, I, I don't want to say the wrong nationality here, but wh- whoever they're supposed to be referencing there, you know, they, they use their language and they use their song formulas to make something that wasn't original, like originally theirs, but sounded very close to it. Polynesian. Pol- yes, the Polynesians, the island hopping folk of the seas. And I, I love what Moana did with that. I hope this does something like that where I don't even know if they're going to dig that deep into the mind of the seafaring folk. Like, do you think they, maybe they'll do that where Um, they're really focused on the, on the people on the ship, as opposed to like, there's the people on the land who hate sea monsters and the sea monsters who hate the people on the land. Like, I don't know. I would love if this soundtrack put some work in. I would also like to see that. And I, 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 unfortunately I doubt it. A lot of the magic of what makes those like Pixar movies and those, all, all those different animated films that are like sort of at the top of their game. A lot of the magic of those subtle things, like a really good soundtrack and like interesting yeah. representations of people and whatnot. A lot of that is lost in people trying to imitate it. Unfortunately, as, as people who sort of study these types of things, we know that it's like, you have to have all of it in order for it to be as popular as it as as those examples are and if you if you skip out on like having a really banging soundtrack that's that's going to deter from your the success of your animated film unfortunately i know you're big into pirate culture and seafaring culture is there anything you're hoping to see in here as like a specific sort of thing something you you predict might might show up honestly i'm glad you brought up the soundtrack because that's if we're talking about seafaring mercenary pirate type culture I really hope that there's something in the music for that. And if not, I'd like to see the life on the ship. While, you know, I hope the whole thing isn't just sea monster pirate fights. There's something to be said for the downtime when when you're sailing and and the you know how you keep morale up and and typically that's through like the songs and the partying and the stuff like that it'd be nice to see that you know i don't know i'd I'd love it if there was like some wild gambling shenanigans and shit on the ship as well and the kid just finds out about it and they're like i don't know my my dad said gambling's bad and it's like no 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 we've got six months out here and if I can't gamble, I'll literally kill somebody. I, I would like to hear some justifications for the type of shenanigans that seafaring people tend to get on in their, like, we're out to sea for, you know, five months straight or, you know, ten months straight or however long. We've got to do some wacky stuff to keep our brains from spoiling inside our heads. So, some interesting stuff for that. I always love hearing nautical terms for things in these types of movies, and I've always got, like, a keen ear for that because I have, like, a lot of that in my in the back of my head. I'm hoping for more than just, like, port and starboard in terms of, like, uh, nautical 
technical words, uh, you know, for ships or for general using the right words for the job, basically. Right. Yeah. The the actual working terms that they'd all used for that jargon, value. the the the, the pirate yeah, jargon, the, 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 the working jar- jargon. Yeah, the working jargon of the profession. That that'd be really nice. I imagine we're gonna see some characters of it too. It it's probably a kids movie. It's PG, so we're probably not gonna see some guy blasted hanging out of like some fucking porthole. Would be good to see, you know, pirates have bad teeth. It's just a thing. Right, right. They smell bad or something like that. Like, I, I don't think anybody on this ship is going to be dying of scurvy. They're definitely going to have, like, ripped and tattered clothes, and there's going to be a fat guy with the... Realistically, he should be, like, a fat drunk guy, but whatever. Like, we're, we're just going to see some real bedraggled folk. I'm hoping for that as well. Those those little details really help me appreciate films like this. I don't need them, but I, I do like to be like, yeah, that pirate's teeth are fucked up. That's how you know he's been out to sea for a while. <laughs> right. I don't uh, I don't know if I have any other predictions to be making. Uh, we've, we've I'm hoping I'm, I'm pleasantly surprised by something smart here. Like, I'd really like it if they put some thought into the soundtrack for this. Or if they put some thought into the crew as characters. I'm, I'm going to be really disappointed if it ends up being main character man and main character girl and background folk. You know? I know. Here's a, here's a question I'll ask you. Do you think that the Sea Beast will be a main character? Oh, yeah. I think the Sea Beast is going to speak English. So what I'm going to say is I'm going to go ahead and predict, and I'm going to hope beyond hope that is not the case. I would really, really like it if the Sea Beast were silent, sort of... Like we have to figure out through how it's behaving that it's got the thorn or the, the gill rot or something like that. Yeah. Uh, like we have to discover that. You know in Birdcage, who's the actor that plays across from Robin Will- Robin Williams? Oh, I love that actor, too. Oh, man, he's so great. I was actually going to suggest Birdcage as an episode, but I, I'm glad you've seen it, because it's so It's, so it's such a good movie. Who, whoever that actor uh, is... The, the actor is Nathan Lane. Nathan Lane. The sea monster is going to have a Nathan Lane-esque English-speaking voice. I'm gonna call that. Like um, we're gonna we're gonna roll up on the big scary monster, and he's gonna be like, "Gosh, guys, why are you doing this?" I, I do like a, a a fun voice for a a giant monster. I'm sticking to it. I really want it to be they're they're silent and they're they're animals, but we need to learn to treat animals the way that we treat people, especially. That would be a good sub moral, you know. Like I I was pushing for the like basic basically uh, Netflix is de- is teaching people not to be racist, but I'd like it if the subplot was. Like actually, we have to consider the ecology of the world as well. Like uh, animals are people too, and that might be a cool like subplot as well. Maybe the little girl brings like a cat as a stowaway with her onto the ship, and they're like, "No, no animals on the ship. They're filthy, and they bring disease and whatnot." And that's their rationale for hating animals, basically. And it's sort of like right. meant to parallel their hatred of the sea beasts as well. Um, oh, that's smart. <laughs> it, it'd be kind of cool too because cats were like a normal thing to bring on board a pirate ship. It was very normal to do that. Oh. Yeah. Maybe it wouldn't be if in this world, you know, the, the Black Plague is still a big problem and people are like, oh, yeah, well, you know, those vermin are carrying it and cats could carry it too, I bet, you know, and maybe that's why they don't trust cats either or something. I don't know. I mean, that yeah, I, if we're going to have any like real world parallels, like I think that's why people loved cats is because it, it diminished the plague in such a way. It could you want to hear a wild fucking uh, superstition? 
pirates uh bananas don't don't bring bananas on your ship Why, how did that come about i don't fucking know i just know that that's a thing it's incredibly unlucky to bring bananas on your ship oh, that's interesting i would like to I, I do think it's also very possible to have like a like a black plague reference in this movie considering that like covid would have been a thing maybe while this was being written or while this was being created for sure and maybe that was you know something that they considered to like include as like a real world issue that they could talk about in this movie everybody hates the sea monster because they just give you a plague and it's like no 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 that's uh that's actually just covid and you've got it your damn self maybe there are sea monsters and they think like the sea monsters caused the plague and maybe some people are like well what about like rats and stuff and it's like no rats are our friends <laughs> we love rats but, just rub them on your body and your face what, what if there's like an equal dichotomy in the sea monsters where it's like we've got the little girl who's like no 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 sea monsters are actually good and the guy's like no we need to kill them and the sea monsters are like no 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 people are actually good and they're sea monsters that are like, no, 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 we got to kill all the humans. That'd be kind of cool. But I do think that is sort of like, what, what, what is the Disney movie that did this? And now everybody hates this Disney movie because of it. It's uh, it's, it's Pocahontas is the one I'm referencing here with the, oh, the song. Okay. The song Savages. Oh, savages, what a banger. Savages, barely even human. <laughs> and like, the, the white people sing that and the Native Americans sing that. And it's like, that seems not right, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> It's like Disney saying, like, hey, we were both equally at fault for the genocide of the Native American people. Hey, we all kind of fucked up, right? And everybody's like, no, I'm pretty sure once I fucked up pretty bad on that compared to the other <laughs> one. Jesus Christ. Okay, okay, okay. We've talked about this much longer than we probably should have. I think we can just go ahead and hop into the movie now. Call that a transition. Fucking A. Oh, God, I wish I had a sea shanty prepared for exactly this transition. Oh, God, it's a shame the Wellerman is, like, probably owned by the Longest Johns now or something like that. Because, God, what a transition that would be. Submarines once, submarines twice, and so on and so forth. And we are back from having watched the film. I know I have a lot of things to say, uh, as this was a golden episode, a, a nutritional breakfast, you have a lot of things to say too. God, I really wish one of your your previous guests, Pirate Steve, had been able to see this movie. I'm sure he'd love the shit out of it. Pirate Steve is a very busy man in the world of uh, uh, film discussion. He uh, Everybody wants him for their conversational podcasts, so he's really difficult to book. God, I thought it was a beautiful movie. I thought the animation was really good. There was only like a few qualms that I had with it, and it was basically just with um, mouth movements not being quite what I wanted, and that was mainly just from the gruff Captain Pirate character. I didn't have any problems with the mouth movements, and I do agree. The the animation for this is probably going to be its highest selling point. It is consistently well animated. It looks really fucking good. There's some really really, like when the, when the action is on, the action looks good. So the first thing I wrote down here is that the movie reminds us, or reminded me specifically, I made this claim, the movie I think when you're watching it, has a lot of similarities to how to train your dragon and unfortunately i think that's going to be a failing on this movie's behalf I, yeah um, I, I agree there like I, I remember you saying it and then as i watched the movie i'm like yeah that's basically what this is it's so it's so similar to how to train your dragon and this i know this is a later prediction i make uh but i'll go ahead and get into that right now i said that i wanted the monster to be silent i think what i meant by that more specifically is that 
I wanted the monster, the sea beast, to be a force of nature, not to be something that we're supposed to really understand very well, but rather it is an animal. It can be relatively understood, like owning your first cat. The longer you spend with it, the more you realize that certain things mean something and you can like sort of garner a meaning from what your cat is doing or trying to express to you. But immediately, like your first few times interacting with it, this is just a wild, capricious creature. This is an alien creature as opposed to like, I, I feel like the movie, while technically, yes, the sea monster didn't say anything, it was very anthropomorphized, like yeah. made human in its yeah. actions. Yeah, and I think that that is them drawing from the inspiration of How to Train Your Dragon. Toothless is basically a person, and the same can be said for Red, the sea beast, or the titular sea beast. She is very, very personable. She very much has attitude. She has a lot of like characteristics that a person would have, and it seems like whenever she needs to do something, they kind of are just like, hey, do the thing. And she either doesn't do it right away, but ends up doing it or literally does exactly what they want her to do sometimes without them even having to say it to her. She just figures it out and does it. I guess that can that can certainly happen. I just don't I don't love it for this movie. I was hoping more for they're like a mythical, horrifying creature. And over the course of the film, we realize they're not mythical or horrifying. They're just creatures. They're a force of nature. They're not doing this to like be malicious. Because later later on in the movie, we like they really narrow it down to being like this is a war between two uh, they make it out to be two very intelligent human-like factions i i really would have preferred your interpretation of it where it's like no this is they're like bears they they rub up on ships to scratch their back like they they mark trees and shit like that and and that's why they accidentally sink ships as opposed to like apparently they have done it willfully i also didn't love that most of the sea beasts or the various beasts in the film are kind of left to that animalistic sort of place just a few of them like blue and red both get the ones that are the, the named ones basically they're basically people or or very very domesticated dogs oh for sure and, and i agree i didn't like that as much as the other option that was presented you made a claim here very shortly after i said that that the moral of the story is the sea beasts are misunderstood and specifically that they are misunderstood because they look different than us and that is evil on its own so i don't think the big moral was that i think that that was touched on in before i get into this i want to say that i really liked what they did with the soundtrack in this because i feel like if they had tried to make a soundtrack it would have made me less happy instead what they did was like have little undertones in the big iconic scenes instead of like a sweeping orchestra it was just like tense drum beats or like low bass lines and there wasn't a lot of sea shanty crap aside from the one that I think touches on my prediction there where it's like, they're like, we're so scared to see monsters, we hope they die in the tavern. I remember that you had made that claim about the sea shanty and that you wanted it to be more than like sort of the, the kind of sea shanties that we see now where a lot of them are describing like a legend or something or telling a story where right. most sea shanties are sort of more like work songs they're supposed to get you through. Yeah, the distinction is um, one of them is a folksal song, which is the bastardization of forecastle or like where where the people would sleep after work and they would tell their stories and that's like okay in its own right but i was really hoping for something more like a battle song or a like i really did appreciate that they had the guy with bagpipes in the beginning i thought that was a nice touch i like how the bagpipes guy sort of played the role of damsel in distress for a little bit there that, that was fun yeah i liked that um, it's just uh on, on the topic of like the the subdued soundtrack yeah i just i like how like uh, captain's barking orders and he's like make it 
can't scream, Mr. Bagpipe Man, and like that felt good. I like that. Again, we get sort of that example of diegetic versus non-diegetic music, and this is this is an example of the music is actually in the scene, and that's that's where it's coming right. from. It's the Bagpipe Man. I don't think the whole movie touched on the you know we just hate the sea monsters because they're different. The actual moral of this story was very strange. Yeah, it felt like the moral was like, you know, don't trust the established rhetoric because a lot of people are Columbusing things. They're like, hey, uh, they, they were bad, so we had to kill them and we keep killing them because they're bad. It felt very much like, hey, be wary of propaganda and war is bad. But I think that it's weird that when they bring that up initially, sort of, she mentions her book and then the guy eventually reads the book and he's like, well, these things in the book aren't true. He doesn't point out any of the things in the book that are true. Like there actually is a Captain Crow and his his ship is the inevitable and all of those things that are. Yeah, accurate. he's like this, this town didn't exist at all ever. And also we don't say yar nearly half this much. And yeah, and those are his two things. And that are en- that's enough for her to like get suspicious, which is fair. Like an entire town being made up is pretty weird but the yard right. thing feels kind of inconsequential like yeah when you write stories about people you like hear something that they say or do that you think is kind of eccentric and interesting and you sort of play it up a little right but then later on in the movie when she becomes certain what the big deep state cover-up here is she just sees other books that talk about the dark times or certain aspects of things that are referenced in her book and she's like it must be the crown the royalty is doing this which is weird because like there are books that are aimed at children that have have like historical facts peppered throughout them or things that would have been considered historical facts at the time but over time we sort of learn and change and grow and realize no that wasn't accurate because anthropology is a constantly growing study clearly this movie is trying to like hearken to columbus times and the rape of the indigenous uh, north american people but like i, I went entirely too modernly political <laughs> where it's oh, right. like where we get to the end and she's like she's screaming at the crown and they're like listen to the girl the six-year-old knows what we're talking about we should have never even gone to afghanistan <laughs> <laughs> it reminds me of uh we did that episode on the black phone and the police who were just like yeah that little girl she knows how to solve this case <laughs> right so the next point that you make actually sort of talks about this. The next, the very next point you made, or the next prediction that you made, was that the legendary sea captain will be a handsome white man, and the advocate for the sea monsters will be a a non-white character. And you then specifically pointed out that you thought that the the little stowaway girl would advocate for the sea monsters. So this was you were pretty much dead ass on this one. I'm gonna go yeah, ahead. no, that 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 was pretty solid. It, it just it didn't tie into the moral that like which which is fair. I'm glad that they went for a little more than like, hey, don't hate people that are different than you because that would have felt kind of lame. It is weird that in 2022 we have two different movies where like people in positions of power or people in authority positions are like yes we'll just sort of cow down to a little six year old girl. (laughs) Right. Because the whole lot like the king and queen are still like trying to vehemently be like are you calling us liars? We're the king and queen. And then I did like that the general which by the way I don't I feel like if your holy leader of your nation is like shoot the thing and then you're like well, I would, but the general didn't say shoot the thing. I feel like somebody there would have shot the thing. Yeah, I think that's the tension that they're trying to play with, because earlier in the film, that's sort of what happens. Everybody is sort of just working on, what was it called? The Interceptor or the the Imperator or something like Imperator, that? Imperator, that's exactly what it is, because that's like, um, that's the name for a, like a Roman leader or something like that. They were supposed to have something that bled power and authority. Royalty, yeah, yeah. Yeah, everybody's just sort of working on that ship, and then they see Red, like, kind 
coming at them. And then one guy just decides to shoot at, at her and all hell breaks loose. And I think they're sort of trying to play with that. Oh, well, we already know kind of how this goes down. So if even one person like shoots, like even on accident, Red's just going to lose it. But uh, do they? Because they completely obliterated that ship. So like, I get, I guess we should assume that like that knowledge just traveled, but like technically speaking, nobody in the capital should know that happened. Yeah, it's, it's very possible. I, I meant that they're playing with that with the audience, like with us watching. Oh yeah. Like we, if anybody shoots, it'll happen again. Yeah. We're privy to that information. We know maybe the people there don't know. And I think it's probably better if the people there don't know, because then the tension is even higher. Like they don't know that they're sitting on top of the bomb, right? They're trying to get us as audience members to think like, oh, well, I remember the last time we were in a situation like this and it went really, really badly. I like how much the captain is like, I picked you up as a kid and made you my son and everything because you were a kid with fire in your eyes and you you, you had a lot of fire and spunk to you. And then here's this little girl who he claims has the same fire and spunk to her. She attempts to fucking murder him after she has already been attacked by a giant sea monster and lived twice she's on her deathbed like getting like medical treatment and she tries to fucking kill him and he's just like nah fuck her i don't like her anymore Right. By the way, I saw the transfusion scene and I couldn't help but feel like they could very well be killing this girl because we're in, you know, theoretical medieval times. They don't know what blood types are. Uh, well, here, I mean, we could we could do some research here and figure out when were blood types. Uh, when were blood types discovered? Oh, my. Yeah, they do not know. <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, it was 1901. So I just want to know, like, what are the general statistics that two people have the same blood... Like, two random people have the same blood type. What is the... Let's find out if we can find an answer for this. Have compatible blood. Ooh. It depends on what one of the... You have to know what one of the people are in order to, like, know what the chances are. But... If she's O positive, it's like 40%. Okay, so it's not like, I'm going to assume they didn't know what blood types were, but they were like, yeah, about half the people that I do this treatment to survive, so we're going to do that. It's not as outright blatantly fucked up as I thought it was. So if she was O positive, it looks like her best chances would be being O, o positive or A positive. Those are the two like that are close to half. The rest of them are like, yeah, she should have died there. <laughs> Yeah. I didn't call into that too much just because, like, maybe they knew that, like, if you're running out of blood, we got to put somebody else's blood into you. And that was just best practice at the time because sometimes it works, but most of the time, bleeding to death doesn't let you live. <laughs> right. No, that, that, yeah, it's like we do this or she dies. And, like, if we do this and she dies, well, the alternative was death, anyways. I don't know. There, there was something like, why did they choose him? It's not like the whole thing ruined the movie for me. I'm just sitting here like, why did, why did creepy Dr. Man, I mean, I guess he wasn't creepy, but. You know, why, why did random Dr. Man just, like, say, like, well, I guess they were on the same island. They, they, they probably got the same blood. I'm almost certain the situation would have played out like, hey, she needs somebody's blood, and I can't give it because I'm doing the procedure. You don't want me all woozy while I'm trying to, like, look after the patient. And then the first person to roger up is just who he would have strapped her to. Obviously. Yeah, that makes sense. He's with her. He he likes her. He cares about her. He would roger up for it. So I said, I said creepy Dr. Man, and I think I was trying to think about the next point I wanted to make, which was the, uh, Voodoo witch doctor Bokur from oh, yes. from the island that nobody wants to go to because she's the creepy witch doctor lady. As soon as they get there, it just looks like everybody on that island is a chain smoker because all, all the air is like yellow and green. 
Right. It's all it's all horrible. And they're like, what's a hunter doing here? And they keep on talking about like, oh, hunters don't talk to this lady. And I'm not really 100% sure why. And they didn't dig into it as much as I would have liked. Because she did that creepy magic thing where like, you know, the tattoo goes up around his neck and she's like, I take everything. Do we have a deal? If if we were going to attribute anything to that, him losing everything was basically, they, they don't hunt sea monsters anymore. And so he lost his livelihood, which is not like the worst thing that could have happened. This was the part of the movie where it became basically just Moby Dick. I, I said the same thing. I'm like, this is animated Moby Dick. <laughs> yeah, they even have a quote that's almost directly the quote of like uh, one of the more popular quotes from Moby Dick is from deep in hell's heart, I stab at thee. And he says almost exactly that in the scene where he actually does like finally get red. Right, where he shoots the thing. Yeah, yeah he almost says exactly that. And I think that the idea of it'll cost you everything is just from Moby Dick where it's like the whole point was that he was willing to sacrifice anything to like get his revenge on on the whale or to, to, to catch the the whale kill the whale sure i just i feel like um you know this being more or less a kid's movie i feel like the moral should have been more apparent there where they're like hey if you do this bad things will happen but the bad things that happen are basically like and everybody lived and lived happily ever after and we don't hunt sea monsters anymore actually we probably should have talked about that as like the first thing before we even dived into picking apart our predictions here but like tell tell me man do you think this movie should have been pg do you think that it was appropriate that it, that they make it pg given what they were trying to cover and do you think that with what they had ultimately like finished on and gave a pg do you think it was appropriate for them to give it a pg so i think i think the rating was are you asking if the rating was correct for the movie that they have i'm asking or both questions if the rating was appropriate for the movie that we have and as they were making the movie and talking about what they wanted to include in it, do you think they should have decided, hey, let's sh let's aim more for a different rating other than PG? I definitely think the moral that I got from the story would have been better presented if it was given a higher rating over PG. And I also, I don't know if the ending would have been better in that case as well, because I felt like the ending kind of floundered where it's like, yeah, no, now we just don't explore anymore. The, the end. Yeah, I was going to get to that in a moment, because that is very, very fucking weird. That's what makes me certain that this movie's trying to hearken to like the Columbus and the or like to uh, Christopher Columbus and the whole like English settlers becoming Americans. Right. We should just mind our own fucking business and stay at home. Yeah, we should just not venture off into the West and just let the, whatever mysteries are out there just be mysteries and we can live over here and we have plenty of land and we're fine. When they when they did that ending where they were like, yep, we just leave all of the monsters alone over there. We don't even go over there anymore and whatever mysteries are over there, we leave them alone. I think that was them trying to say that's what Britain should have done when they were expanding westward to different continents basically on the on the point that we're on i do not think this movie should have have had been able to receive a pg i think it should in have been, its current stance yeah as it is right now it should not have been able to receive that uh the mpaa is pretty pretty clear on this uh they consider alcohol use to be something that's like worth giving a higher rating for and this movie has like six or seven different scenes where they drink alcohol they specifically are like constantly asking each other if they want to drink or let's everybody gets a drink tonight but let's have a drink let's have a toast like shit in the in like one of the opening scenes where they're going after some sea monster or something like that fucking the the black lady cracks a bottle immediately and they just pass it around and i'm sitting here and uh, the reason they got away with this i'll go ahead and tell you now is they never specifically say beer or whiskey 
any of the right, like. This is just we're in the tavern drinking frothy beverage. Yeah, we yeah. just this is just water that we poured a little bit of soap into, and because you know we we did a lot of swearing out there on the high seas, so we need to wash our mouths out with soap. That's what we're all doing because they never say like this this red drink in this like uh, in this wine glass. No, this is cranberry juice. What are you talking about? Right, when they're all passing around the little flask. That's just vitamin C supplement because you know we're on the ocean. Our homemade Capri Sun. We all make Capri <laughs> Sun before we come out here, right? <laughs> Nothing a pirate loves more than a, the hearty Capri Sun. <laughs> it's because they have that plausible deniability to say, like, no, no, it could be anything in that little flask. It doesn't mean liquor. God. I find that to be just disgusting, especially since the idea of the MPAA, if we're to be as respectful to the MPAA as possible, is this is for the children. Like, this is we're trying to protect children from potential bad messages and things like that. And I think that the enthusiastic consumption of alcohol can be a bad message for children. And Americans are the worst for this. You know, people turn of drinking age and a lot of times well before drinking age and they just fucking go nuts because that's what they see in the movies and the TV shows and so on and so forth. And if we were just a little bit better about this in fucking what is clearly a children's movie, maybe it wouldn't be as much of an issue. I, I don't like the MPAA in general. I just, I don't love that that was a thing here. And this movie pretty clearly should have at least been PG-13, if not rated R. I'm not saying it should have gotten a rated R for the drinking alone because the rest of the movie is pretty tame. But I do think you're right. A lot of these themes are pretty dark and pretty somber. I think the movie would have been serviced better if it had more scenes involving like just the the weight of that and the difficulty of it because as it stands now it does really feel like it's a whole big movie about these sort of like dark realizations at the end of it we get a lecture about hey don't make up bullshit and put it in books and don't believe your government right. um, these are these are you you mentioned the term like uh deep state conspiracies or something like that earlier j just a few minutes ago and i was like yeah that's a that's a heavy thing to like make a movie about but then make the movie in such a way where it's like well i didn't say the word deep state so uh so it's not it's not that crazy also the idea that a child let's say the kid is 10 let's be like really generous and say she's 10 years old and she's reading like an appropriate to like a 10 year old's book or let's say even it's like a 15 year old level type of book and she uses that to uncover the deep state of her like government jesus fucking christ i will say i'm gonna go ahead and give my opinion on this i do think that the moral of the story and the way that it's executed specifically are just kind of a fucking botch for me it doesn't feel good it doesn't i don't like it i'm not saying it's like bad inherently i think there is some virtue in trying to like have a story like that where it's both appropriate for children and it's like talking about something difficult to grasp um at that age but as like an adult watching this you're kind of just like okay yeah tell me more about how you have all these conspiracy theories that you believe in or that like you know you you read a book on how columbus raped indigenous people and that's not cool or whatever like it's very i've had a few college classes and i know what the fuck i'm talking about you know what i mean yeah well well that's the thing that's why i feel like this could have been done well if it was less of a children's movie you know how in pirates of the caribbean they basically dropped the bombshell that like captain jack was actually freeing slaves or something like like that like if, if it had been a little bit darker like if we had even i don't know the rating system you know but but yeah it, 
if it was not PG, I feel like we could have touched on more of the war is bad and the propaganda is something you need to critically think about. You know, who's telling you this and why? What do they benefit from saying so? I think even just saying literally that, literally, if they had just had that exact line in the movie, world of difference for me. If they explained it, like even at the end where the general's like, my, my brother was on the monarch and I want to know why this war was started. Cool. Dive into that. What was there to be gained? Because currently we've got bad, evil king and queen who are bad and evil because the fucking six-year-old said so. And they're obviously bad and evil the entire film. There's not a scene that they're in where you're not, like, the, the movie's not trying to direct you to think, these are the real bad guys, they're kind of assholes, they're mean to, like, this pirate captain who's been working really hard for them this entire time. By the way, that part makes even less sense when it, like, if, if we're to take this the way it was meant to be taken, which is like, oh, they basically made the hunters to go after these sea monsters... For whatever mysterious benefit they got out of it, why would they then 180 and be like, nah, actually, we can just make a navy? I think it's just the natural progression of power, right? You want to be able to consolidate all the freedom into people that you basically can sort of just subjugate with nationalism instead of subjugating them with money. You can now just be like, well, you're serving your country, so I can pay you dirt. That's that's sort of the way that our country does it, right? I made the prediction about the uh, the Sea Beast. The sea Beast will have a kaiju battle. That was dead ass. They definitely did it. I, they they I, definitely got that out of the way. Yeah, they got that right in there. And I remember, you know, they show up on the island and it's revealed that there's a bunch of other sea beasts on the island. And I'm just like, please, please, please. It has to happen now. If it's going to happen in the movie, it's going to happen now. The island in the middle of the ocean where sea beasts are born and you're telling me they don't vie for dominance? Yeah, they have to fight each other. Or at the very least, have like a, I don't know, like a stare down at least. Like I would have taken a stare down. I'd be like, that's basically like a shitty PG movie uh, for kids version of a kaiju battle. But they did do the, the full aspect and that felt good and nice and fun. I even liked that it was like a crab and that was kind of cool because like I, I didn't even, when I was imagining what kind of sea beast he was going to fight, I didn't think of a crab, you know? It's sort of like when you're watching the Godzilla movies for the first time and then they're like, yeah, now this one's Godzilla versus a big-ass moth. And you're, right. like, you're like, what the fuck? Godzilla's a giant fucking lizard and it's just as ridiculous, but you're like, in your mind, you're like, yeah, he's a giant lizard and he fights like other giant lizards and stuff. King Ghidorah is basically just a three-headed lizard. I don't know. But, like, Mothra is so fucking weird, and I feel the same way about the crab, the purple crab that they had to fight. I was like, I didn't expect this at all. Sweet purple crab. Let's go. But I, at the same time as making that prediction, I also predicted that the point of the movie will be that we have to coexist with a culture that is less than convenient for us, because my prediction was that the sea monsters would be kaiju battling, and that's what makes them villainous to us. And that we find out that, like, that's just part of their culture, and it's, like, normal for them, and they're not doing this to be malicious. They they just like to get up and wrestle a little bit. The movie goes the other way with it. Instead of trying to coexist with the, the monsters, we don't. We <laughs> say we very much separate but equal, though. Yeah, we go, hey, that's their side of the world, and this is our side of the world, and they stay over there, and we stay over here, and we don't go over there anymore. Except for Blue. I guess we're going to keep Blue because he basically is just a little dog. All right, but what if he... We don't see an adult Blue. Like, when they're stepping on the eggs and we see the little fucking roly-poly yellow things, and then they get chased by the adult roly-poly yellow things, Thing. I was waiting for there to be like an adult blue. Yeah, I was hoping that there would be a point where blue would sort of I mean like this movie sort of works as like a, a Pokemon film. That's how like most of 
the Ash Ketchum's journeys go, where he's got Pikachu, blue. He comes across like Zapdos or something, like one of the big, crazy, legendary Pokemon. Zapdos, he never catches Zapdos, but he hangs out with him and he's cool with Zapdos. And right. Zapdos like, helps him do a thing. By the end of it, Zapdos kind of fucks off and Ash is left with Pikachu, but he's happy because he's still got like his Pokemon that he's chill with. The difference being that Pikachu will fuck a motherfucker up. Blue is just kind of this dopey... <laughs> Like this dopey dog. So that, yeah, that's why I was wondering about an adult one because at the whole time it's like Blue's just this dopey little fucking thing. In the beginning, he's just this idiot that's like, I'm gonna hide behind this tree and act the fool. But then comes to rescue the little girl and like rips a whole fucking hatch off its hinges. I think that the movie is trying to imply that Blue is maybe Red's like baby, but I don't think that it does a very good job of that. I think I'm kind of speculating here, grasping at straws, and it's also specifically weird, because you're right, it's weird. There's always that sense of like, alright, well we have the little baby, where's the mama gonna come from, you know? And, it, and it's they, sort of just like the the pet sidekick that you have to work into a kid's movie, like it, like in Encanto, where um, you know she's exploring the little sand pit looking for Bruno, and the toucan's keeping her company. It's like, you didn't need the toucan except for, like, comic relief. And yeah. I feel like that's that's what Blue does. The guy who made this movie also worked on Moana. I think he might have directed it. I'm not sure. Moana the water looks so good. Moana also does that. And even even Moana kind of, like, feels really samey to this film. There's the battle-hardened sort of guy who knows what he's doing. And then there's the girl who's sort of, like, learning what she's doing along the way. And then there's the really stupid animal sidekick. And that's what Moana does. And that's what this movie does. I guess Moana has... As like the spirit of the ocean is like the all-powerful super being that's like following them around and in this one the all-powerful super being is red who is like supposed to be personified as the as the spirit of the ocean you know they're always talking about like oh the red bluster like shakes the waves and blah 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 yeah. like that's supposed to be the penultimate apex monster and it feels like this movie could have been a good way to talk about like ecosystems and i brought that up i was like seeing animals as equal to humans could have been like a major theme of this film and it really wasn't. It was basically just like the, the government lied to us. Sea beasts aren't some horrifying threat to us. Uh, they're actually just big animals. So leave the big animals to go be big animals over there. There's nothing we can do about them. We'll just let them live their lives and we'll live our lives. That's not animals are equal to humans. That's their animals. We're not going to mess around with them. Yeah, I mean, there were a couple of points where they like tried to touch on the ecology, at least as a sailor would perceive it. Like when there's the, the horrific little ghost fishes that are running away and it's like oh these things are only scared of one thing and it's like that would have been cool to see like the chain of command of the sea monsters or the food chain i guess is a better term for it like who who's the big bad thing and like how do they like feel about it and that again unfortunately that sort of plays directly into the other issue of our very obvious prediction of this movie's just going to be how to train your dragon on the high seas exclusively that example you just gave that's that's straight out of how to train your dragon he's like oh this type of dragon does this and they're afraid of that. And this is the entire science of, or the biology or whatever you want to call it, uh, of how dragons work and how their culture I mean, works. I feel like How to Train Your Dragon did a better job of, of speaking to the ecology of dragons. Yeah, I will say that the Sea Beast is sort of just like, it tries too hard on the political message, and that takes away from other opportunities to have some cool stuff in it. All of the stuff that they have in it that is like cool other than the like, hey, we're going to try to have like a political message that's digestible 
accessible for kids, but is like real world, like important to know all the stuff that isn't that cool little thing that they try to do and did, uh, in my opinion, not a great job of all the other cool stuff is basically just how to train your dragon, but done poorly. Yeah. The, the only part I mentioned before we got into the second half here that there were parts where I was like, Ooh, I liked it. I think we're pretty much in agreement that there is more of the movie that's like, eh, they, they did a thing. I enjoyed the depictions of the sailors and stuff like that. Like, I, re I really enjoyed, you could kind of see the chain of command on the ship. He'd yell to the redhead that did all the, the technical jargon to get the, the crew doing what they needed to do. I really appreciated the point where they unveil the Imperator, and the guy's like, yeah, that's a load of crap for X, Y, and Z, and actually gives reasons instead of just being angsty about having his job replaced. Yeah, I remember listening to him describing that and being like, as he saying this it becomes very obvious that like there are reasons why his pirate ship looks like a pirate ship and it's not just for like the aesthetic purposes yeah and that it's like a well thought out he's like he's he is an expert and i don't understand why the like the royalty didn't hear him saying all those things and immediately go oh we can abandon our hubris here and like admit that like yep you've clearly got this better figured out than we do right instead of just being this uh you know instead of just conniving to have them in this bullshit context together like i don't know who they consulted on building this thing i think they were just like we've got more money than god we're gonna put a bazillion cannons on it and it's gonna be the biggest it's like the titanic of sea monster hunting ships and then this guy who's been doing it and has been you know is from a long line of people who have just been doing this for hundreds of years why didn't they consult these people and the, and the answer is hubris it's we know better we have more money than god we we basically just went to the shipwright guy and said yeah just make it the best monster killing ship possible and they were like okay how and they were like what i don't know just put a shitload of cannons on it yeah make sure they're, they're really in there so like put like a bunch of like wood around them so they can't get knocked loose i guess or whatever okay that's what we'll do he probably came back with a couple of rough drafts of what he was going to do and they were like no bigger more cannons and more wood surrounding them and more make them as fixed as fuck you know like really glued down i claim that they would have to show some sort of a killing of a sea monster to establish the legendary sea hunter and you said that the movie would be too geared towards children to show that at all it'll just be sort of a claim that he that they say and i think that you're more right than i am they don't really show him killing a sea monster they have like that establishing fight sort of right at the beginning and sort of the establishing background for his successor character jacob i, I think we were specifically talking about like killing a sea monster and showing him being like this hardcore legendary sea beast hunter and i think you're more right they did not want to show that hardly at all they had like the one plot relevant fight that was sort of really just to lean in towards the actual plot relevant fight it, it sort of set it up yeah i mean they definitely they showed the sea monster being killed uh they they showed that there was like bloody battle going on i i did think that it got a little wild where it's like the sea monster just taking and hurling people those people didn't have a name which means as soon as they were off camera they're dead casual <laughs> sea monster murder one scene i didn't quite understand was the whole he dives in to cut the horn off that makes sense you know he needs a trophy to prove that he killed the thing but the thing like snaps awake and grabs him and drags him under and then like he wakes up back on the ship but like hasn't really learned anything from it the thing that he he learned but only for a little bit like only for that like quarter of the film was that his mortality or whatever yeah and i was like maybe that's the point of the inevitable is that like death is inevitable and that's like gonna be the thing that he has to come to terms with over the course of the film but it seems more like the inevitable thing is because because why would they name the ship the inevitable 
They could have named it anything, right? It seems like, you know, maybe this is, again, supposed to be like a Moby Dick thing. It's inevitable that he'll get the Red Bluster. You know, that's what's inevitable is his quest to get the red bluster he's inevitably going to defeat this monster you know after that scene i was like now it seems like the inevitable thing is death death is just like waiting behind is waiting around the corner it's inevitable it's coming for you that would have been nice for them to explore more what does the main character want to leave behind after his inevitable death there was a little bit of like a discussion on legacy like my grandfather and then my father then me and and now you but they barely touch on it and it's sort of just used as a way for him to sort of like hey you're supposed to be my son at the end of the film and now it seems like by the end of the movie the thing that's inevitable is people learning the truth yeah that's good i like that that was a prediction we should have made the name of whatever ship that each person like uses is going to be important to their character we missed we missed a good opportunity next time we have a a A fucking pirate movie yeah a seafaring episode we'll have to be like oh and the the name of the ships will be important somehow the name of the ships Right, because I mean, it really, I, I feel like maybe less so there, but like even the, the Imperator like gets immediately taken out and then like, I don't know, the monarchy, we, we see the beginning of the end of the monarchy, even though they don't really explore that either. As soon as the king and queen started running away and they're like, move you fools, I, I expected them to get like immediately arrested. They're like, no, fucking explain yourself. Tell us why this six-year-old girl has swayed an entire group of people. It makes so much sense and everything you're doing makes seems like she's even more right. You made a claim that the legendary sea hunter will be uh, scared of sea beasts and and then I followed that up with a claim that he will sort of secretly taming the beasts and helping them in some sort of way I don't think I was really really on with that I don't think that was correct because like when they're on the island he does show a human level of fear for the situation he's in but not terrified like he's more like I need to be really careful here because we need to survive and it's just me fighting these monsters now instead of a whole crew of me like I, I don't think he was terrified of monsters at all, really. And certainly not in such a way where, like, the legend of either the sea captain or of Jacob is is sort of Ent- a lie. Yeah, entirely falsified. Like, I do think that he killed those monsters. I think that when he's asserting that he killed five over two days, like, I think that happened. I made a claim that the, the captain or Jacob, because they're sort of interchangeable in a way here, where Jacob learns and changes and the captain does not. They come from the same starting point in the film. They're clearly supposed to sort of mirror each each other a little bit but he's sort of the shadow for Jacob or Jacob is his shadow depending on how you want to look at it but they're they're clearly meant to be sort of similar characters at the, at the offset of it I claim that the captain will teach the girl to be a good seafarer but the girl will teach him to be a good person to use empathy on the sea beasts and maybe the villain could be the other pirates on the ship and this is where we get into sort of an interesting character right because I don't think that was that was accurate I do not believe that the the captain or Jacob really taught the girl to be a better seafarer hardly at all the only scene I saw where like she learned anything from them was uh, we saw the scene where she's trying to crack open the, the mysterious island fruit and she fails and then they're on the ship after after Jacob has uh, started to take on some of these teachings about how the sea monsters might not be inherently evil and then she's like and I learned something too and she cracks open the island fruit it's like yeah yeah I'm also helping I, I don't know it, it seems like she's really into being a hunter but the first chance she gets to like be part of a hunt in any 
anyway. She's doing all the opposite things that a person who's fanatical about hunters might do. And then she very quickly tumbles into, no, the beasts are our friends. And then very quickly tumbles that further into like, we need to make radical political changes to further protect the beasts. So I guess her journey is sort of that is going from like, I'm excited about hunters to like, oh, I'm on board with the beasts now instead of the hunters. But it seems a little bit like, you know, as a kid, you don't know that being a police officer means that you have to incarcerate people. You just think that, like, you're helping everybody, right? Right. Like, she's got this idea. And I I like the little quote that they sprinkled in there where it's like, you can be a hero and still be wrong. Let's make that very clear. I hated that quote. Really? Yeah, I hated it more than anything. Why is that? Okay, well, here, let's talk about some people who were were in some way heroic, but were still wrong, right? Can you think of any historical figures for that? I mean, you brought up Columbus several times. like. That, I think a great example of that. He yeah. was a very heroic man. He went and discovered the new world and all this stuff. And he murdered and raped people like a lot. Right. He might like, there's like uh, some writing, some anthropological writing on how uh, Columbus might be the reason that gonorrhea exists to this day. Yeah, no, that makes sense. So there's a lot of really fucked up shit on that. You could do it with just about anybody. It's sort of like the, well, there's good people on both sides argument. You're sort of like taking one thing and sort of overvaluing it to the point where you're like, well, they're heroes because they killed these sea beasts, but they did the wrong thing because they killed these sea beasts. Villains in, in movies, too. It's like n- nobody wakes up in the morning and it's like, I'm going to be the most evil son of a bitch I can. Good villains are heroes. You know, to somebody, they're doing the right thing. Even Columbus, like, I'm sure morally there should have been something where it's like, hey, these people don't look too different from me and I'm killing them anyways. Like, I'm sure somewhere he's like, no, I'm doing this for my country. My country needs this land more than they do. Well, it just feels a little bit like they're trying to to say like they're heroes but they're wrong it almost sounds like they're very good people they just made an innocent mistake and especially with historical examples it's not they made a little mistake it's they caused the genocide of the jewish people and that's not like an innocent harmless little mistake that like anybody could have made given the wrong information or something that's you choosing to do basically the worst thing possible it's not a good rhetoric to teach people i think the better way to word this would have been something more like what you just said where it's like hey uh they did what they thought was right at the time they were absolutely incorrect and they should have they should have been able to know better because a fucking six-year-old girl figured it out like a like a goddamn 10 year old was able to say hey something about this is isn't quite right so why wasn't why did nobody else hell man even jacob should have been able to figure out like there's there's not this town and i guess the answer is jacob doesn't spend a whole lot of time reading books and doesn't know that they reference this town that doesn't actually exist but like it just seems like a lot of willful ignorance is required for you to both be a hero and and be wrong or be innocently mistaken, which is what the movie is sort of painting it up to be. My my parents were heroes for killing those those beasts, but they were wrong for killing those beasts. You can't have it both ways, movie. And I don't know why they didn't take the time to have that emotional scene where she realizes my parents were sea beast hunters, and in my first goddamn day of being a sea beast hunter, I realized how inappropriate this is. Right. Yeah, I don't know. I, d- I don't know how, because we don't see how those other things happen. Like, in this particular situation, they, they, they were saying saved by Red and taken to an island so Red could, like, teach them or whatever the fuck was going on there. We can assume that in every other situation, the Sea Beasts just, like, 
killed everybody. Yeah, I mean, that's that's very possible. And I, I get how, like, you know, if you're the last survivor of a ship that's just been decimated by, you know, some sea beast, how you would be angry about that and want to, like, have your revenge and everything. And that sort of seems like the captain's character done in the PG way where it's not as, like, hardcore as I would like it to be. We saw that situation where, um, where like, we could see Jacob saw his family getting, like, viciously chewed up. Like, it's very hard to reconcile that with, well, maybe we started this. It feels like we needed to see more in order to hear them say there are heroes that just were wrong. I mean, you fight it, fighting for a cause that was wrong, I mean, I don't know. I, I joked earlier where, where the six-year-old's basically screaming we should have never gone to Afghanistan, but I think that's that, that fits with that quote. The individual people on the ground can still be heroes even if the people making the decisions sent these people to the wrong place. The, the idea should have been, if you're a boots-on-the-ground soldier and you get to make no decisions and you're basically just being told like, hey, go in there and do the thing, and everybody else who's above and around you has a lot more decision-making power than you, and you go out and you do the best that you can to do the job that's been presented in front of you, and you find out later that, you know, it was a whole big thing just for us to go over there and get some oil, that doesn't make you any less heroic for defending your fellow, like, boots-on-the-ground soldiers from other people who are attacking you with guns. You have to do what you have to do in that situation. But the movie doesn't do that. It's not like the person who was a hero but was wrong was, like, the skinny kid that that, like that Jacob saves at the beginning of the movie, the skinny pirate guy, you know what I'm yeah. talking about? Yeah, the kid that he shoves under the stairs. Yeah, he's like, stay under there, don't come out. That guy could have been a hero who was just mistaken. Like, he's, he helps his fellow crewmates, he's like good and everything, and he's just listening to his orders and all. He has no power, no ability to say, like, he's never going to be put in that position where he's standing toe-to-toe with the giant monster and he gets to choose whether it lives or dies. Whereas the captain does get to make that choice, like a lot. He is a character who cannot be a hero and be mistaken. Right. I mean, because we we sort of see him devolve into his rage. I mean, he says it pretty ham-fistedly, like, I'll kill everybody to save everybody. Um, And so, so, like, we we can see him, like, degenerate into madness, and so he's very much supposed to not be a likable character by the time we hit that point in the movie. He's supposed to be used as a way for us to see how far Jacob has grown and changed and and become a better person, because the, the captain doesn't grow or change or become better. He just, he either gets worse or stays exactly the same, depending on how you're looking at it. But yeah. Uh, the the idea that everybody can be a hero and can be can also be mistaken about something is incorrect. I think I think the better quote might have been nobody is above being wrong. For sure. I mean, but, but we have to as a children's movie like boil down a moral. I don't know if it would have been as feel good for this girl to be like, wow, my parents were pieces of shit. Everybody can be a piece of shit. She still has to like honor like that her parents were doing what they thought were right. Mo- modern day films are pretty anti-parent or at least anti-biological parent, right? We see in so many movies where the people have a found family that they prefer to their biological family. There's a ton of different movies that have like examples of this. So I don't think it would be entirely inappropriate to have a scene where she's like, hey, I still love my parents and like, I'll think of them fondly, but they, they did the wrong thing. Yeah, no, I see where you're getting it, what you're getting at. It's not like the worst thing to like realize that your parents were human. They're, they're, they're people too. And like, then that would further go into her like like ultimate resolved idea of like no one is above being wrong no one right. no one is too good to do the wrong thing everybody should be scrutinized everybody should be we should be able to look at them critically and say you should have known better you should have done better god the character of sarah sharp can we talk about sarah sharp for a second i i liked the point where it's like she gives the girl the knife and then later on they call back to it because she's like i might need a bigger one when we're fighting the sea monsters and then like she's trying to save the sea monster and sarah sharp's like <laughs> 
should have given you a bigger knife. I was like, oh, that was a fun callback. But I did like that, yes. Aside from that, I don't think we explored her character enough because all we, the only point where I like felt something was when, um, so Amelia Bedelia is locked in a room and fucking she's like Sarah Sharp, the most loyal first mate ever, and like that's her dig. That that's her dig is like you're just gonna go down in history as following this man and not making your own decisions. And I think that's what it was getting at, like that and the fact that she's like I've seen some things that I can't forget, and that's why I'm loyal to this ship. And it's like cool, so you're not your own person. She immediately grows from that and helps save Red. That was kind of a snap change. I I think that was a huge gamble on uh, Macy's part or Maisie's heart to say that there as her like one line she was going to get in edgewise there to say oh yeah Sarah Sharp, the most loyal first mate on the seven seas, or whatever she says. What if what if she really liked that moniker? You know, like if she was just like, Yeah, you're right, I'm a good first mate. Yeah, because because Maisie doesn't see all the points where where Sarah has been contradicting the captain and like trying to help him make better decisions. She has no reason to believe that Sarah has lost faith in her captain because he went to that island and got the super weapon and everything, despite her protests. When uh when Jacob is being fished out of the water when they show that like flashback scene of him being like a little child and him being brought onto the ship for the first time. They have a silhouette that looks exactly like Sarah Sharp. And that, in my mind, is like, let's imagine that Jacob's character is 18 years old. He just turned 18. Sure. When he was a kid, he was, let's say, 10 years old, almost exactly like uh, Maisie or whatever. That means that he's been on board for eight years. Sarah Sharp has been on strictly longer than him. Sure. And Sarah Sharp is being completely passed up for the role of captain. Yeah, because this guy wants to continue his family line, even though it's like not his family line. He could have picked Sarah for that. There's no reason not to pick Sarah for that. She's like a respected badass with more experience under her belt too. So it seems almost like the movie is trying to tell us like it's okay to pass people up for a promotion as long as they're black or a woman or both in this case. And especially if you want to give the promotion to like your family over somebody that deserves it, you should do that. Not even not even your family, someone you like enough to consider them family. They're not your family, they're just somebody you like a lot. Yeah, that and does suck, doesn't it? If you want to like like think about it as like you can adopt family members or you can adopt someone and, and make them a family member. Yeah, this is yeah, full-blown yeah. nepotism. He is like yeah. he has a, a child-in-law or a stepson or whatever you want to call it or a, an adopted son and that that is nepotism. It's a, again it's a white uh, dude promoting another white dude. <laughs> right. I think if we want to give this the best spin possible, there's definitely a world where she's like, "Oh no, I could never be captain for her <laughs> own reasons." Not yeah, we have no we have no rationale for like what's motivating her really she just wants to be the best for first mate of the inevitable even if like let's say that was her character from the start is that she's just like i don't want to be captain that is more interesting as a story than what we got and the other option being where she's like i really do want to be captain and then it's like him either being like no or him being like well i also want to give jacob a chance or him being like yes i want you to get it but jacob wants to get it as well and so he's trying to convince the captain to give it to him instead right like All the logical progression would have been for sarah to become captain captain or for Jacob to be the new first mate because Sarah as a first mate character like holds almost as much authority as the captain like at least enough where she can be like captain you're doing the wrong thing and for him to be like yeah you're right which is fucked up because again early on in the film Jacob is like captain you're doing the wrong thing and he listens to Jacob later on in the film Sarah Sharp is like captain you're doing the wrong thing and she does not listen or he does not listen to Sarah I really liked Sarah's character even from like a design standpoint I thought she looked fucking cool like cool she was a, she was a badass pirate that, that's why I, say, I really liked the design that they had for the pirates. Even when we're just talking to the crew, there's um, like the, the Asian character with the hook hand. 
and we had fucking uh, Stinky Pete over there with his beard. They all felt good. And Sarah Sharp, the most of all, like, was very much grizzled pirate. She feels like a pirate who's seen some shit, and, like, that's what she's supposed to feel like. We get to see her peg leg, that's kind of cool. We, we see her be a badass in the beginning, where Maisie's like, my speech has got me on the ship, and she's like, listen, little bitch. No, no, <laughs> you no. You no, don't no. understand how things work here. Such a cool character, and to see her get dicked over basically constantly in the film, really frustrating, especially in a film where it's like, we're progressive, and we, like, you know, we have a black character in the movie. We have two black characters in the movie. And she she even she helps saves the sea monster and that's the last time we see her in the whole fucking movie she doesn't even get to ride off on big red yeah she doesn't get to like hang out at the at the cool cabin that they have at the end of the movie with blue and and jacob and Maisie, and it's kind of nice Nope, she's just she's gone into the ether. Genuinely frustrated about Sarah Sharp because, like, what a cool name, what a cool design for her character. She has like a bed just dedicated to her various stabbing implements. Fucking rad character, and for her to just get screwed over constantly, and just and to take it in stride too. Like at no point is she complaining about any of this. She's like, "All right, that's fine. This is this is a person I'd like to have a beer with." I'll tell you what. We even see her like in the tavern and shit, and like she's talking with Jabel, like, "Man, kids suck," and it's like, "Oh yes." Like, just- what what a good like just a good everything just a character we can all get behind yeah you're right kids do suck sarah sharp what a good point fucking what is it there's the point where like the captain tells her to do something that kind of blows and she's just like i captain and i'm like oh if i had a nickel for every time those exact words in that exact cadence in that exact tone have come out of my mouth (laughs) (laughs) but i feel like we are we've we've gone well over on time and uh i don't know if you have anything else you really wanted to get to or or mention before we we call it you know if if I ignore I, I hate being like oh these were major plot holes but there kind of were and if I can ignore all of them there were parts of the movie that were good I think it looked good you know you mentioned that the big selling point for the movie is how well it's animated and I do think it's uh, enrapturing looking at it there was just shit that I didn't I didn't like or they didn't wrap up we never see voodoo lady again and I just I don't know like this was a really missed opportunity to have a cool movie yeah uh, I didn't I didn't like the movie I don't think it's bad necessarily i know going into it i was like there's a two hour long movie they're gonna this is a, they're serious about this they added the extra 30 minutes in there so obviously they think this is pretty good and i just didn't feel like it paid out on those ideas the, those expectations i had going in i stand by the idea even after all this conversation the idea that the animation was the best part of the film i really do think that's the big selling point i know that you know there's a lot of cutesy stuff in the film that i'm sure a lot of people will like a lot of people liked how to train your dragon for how cute the dragons were at certain points and you know yeah i uh i had Ashley watching over my shoulder with this one. As soon as Blue showed up, that that's the point where she was uh, sold on the movie. She's like, I love it, I want one. And I'm like, alright, cool. So, if they do anything, they need to make Blue plushies as merch, and then maybe they can salvage it. No, that that sounds about the size of it. Uh, that seems like a I'm sure a lot of impressionable young ladies would think that, and they're like, I don't want to have a baby, but if there was a way I could just have one of those, I'd take 12. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I think that that's spot on as well. The idea of like, hey, we paid a lot of good money for some designer to come up with these cool little monsters and these little baby versions of these monsters. We should make plushy versions of those and sort of sell them. You remember the like walrus rhino thing? Remember that? Yeah, the, the big yellow roly-poly or whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. The babies for that one, I didn't think were terribly cute. They kind of looked a little bit too much like bugs to me. The mom, I thought was adorable. I was like, oh, it's so dumb looking and yet so fierce. And I just love it. 
I know. I, I thought that was great. And like another scene that could have tied pretty well into the ecology of it all, where it's like it's chasing them down. You know, the guy's afraid for them and the girl realizes, oh, it's just after its baby. And I thought that was a cute scene. And if they had expanded on that and been like, no, they, you know, we just our fishing industries happen to catch baby sea monsters. And that's why they hit anything. Literally anything could have made this a better movie. God, I really honestly, I'm gonna go ahead and call it right here. The best thing that could have done to make this movie like good for me specifically, just stay on the island, stay on Monster Island and hang out with all the cool monsters. Just have us exploring cool monster island right have him turn have his evolution be like i used to be sea monster hunter and now i'm jacques Cousteau. now now i'm just here to chill out with the monsters and hang with the boys and like it's cool and fun that would have been chef's kiss for me just to do all kinds of fun cool monster stuff him just like abandoning you know human society or whatever (laughs) fuck all that shit i don't want to deal with that anymore i'm just gonna be a cool monster guy now all right well let's call this one a day right here i would say probably worth your time but uh not the best. Yeah, it's a it's a fun movie. Show your kids. I don't know if you're willing to entertain questions about propaganda. Yeah, questions about propaganda and like what makes someone a hero and what can like stop someone from being a hero, that type of stuff. And like have it specifically explained to you by like a little ten year old girl who didn't really go through much of a journey to like learn all this information. She kind of yeah yeah. She was like, just born a genius. Hey, not even born a genius. Like, hey, does anybody read around here? No, I'm the only <laughs> one. <laughs> well, who are they writing these books for? Yeah, it just, <laughs> they just like the books come out and like nobody is like, hey, you know that this town you're referencing isn't real, right? Ah, no one's gonna read it anyway. Oh yeah, you're right. Never mind, that's fine. Yeah, we oh. we don't we don't colonize other islands, but this colony got destroyed. Oh wow, man, that sucks. <laughs> oh, what a film! All right, all right, all right. Good, 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 good time. Good time. All right. Mm-hmm.